Hey, what's up, my fellow monkeys? You're listening to your old buddy, Uncle Silverback. I'm host of the Arm Day Podcast. Today is Sunday, the 24th of October, 2010. On the last couple of shows, I was talking about that I wanted to do uh, some reviews of, of some certain things. And I think my last show was a couple of weeks or so ago. Uh, I didn't have a show last week. I would have liked to put one out, but of course I was actually gone camping. I left on Friday and then came back uh, late on Sunday. And where I went, as you guys, most of you guys know, I live in Arizona. And one of the neat things about Arizona is that there's a there's a real uh, there's there's diverse. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess for lack of a better word, there's diverse environments and. Um, there's diverse terrain, all sorts of things. Uh, I'm drawing a blank for the word I want to say. It's like right on the tip of my brain, uh, like different ecosystems, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, you can have um, low desert, uh, you know, to where things are dry and scrubby and all this stuff. And then you can have things to where it's, you know, high mountains where it's cold and you've got big tall pines. Uh, there's, there's certain parts of Arizona where you have very temperate and mild weather pretty much all year round. Uh, there's lakes. There's, you know, pretty much, Arizona pretty much has it all. Uh, so I, uh, I I really like Arizona a lot uh, for the diversity, uh, you know, that it has as far as uh, terrain and environment and all that type of stuff. So anyway, I went from Phoenix, where it was probably in the 90s, up to the Mogollon Rim country. Uh, and for those of you guys that maybe don't know where that is, that's around, uh, uh, it's outside of Payson, uh, if you're familiar at all with Arizona. It's probably where I was, was maybe 30, 40 miles east of Payson, uh, up on the Mogollon Rim. Um, some of you guys may know other towns that are close to that, it would be Heber and Overgard, things like that. Anyway, it's beautiful country up there. Uh, but before we jump in and, and get to talking about that stuff too much, let's go ahead and get some of our contact info out of the way. If you'd like to contact me, you can do so a couple, uh, about three different ways. Um, if you want to do something for the show, let's talk about that. So if you wanted to do a review, uh, and again, as you guys know who listen, if this is your first time, you can do a review on anything. Uh, it can be on a movie that you saw, it can be on a pair of sneakers that you own, it can be on a water filtration system, it can be on a, a firearm, it can be on a vehicle, anything you want. Uh, heck, it can be on a TV show, it can be on music, anything you want. It does, everything goes here. Um, the purpose behind the reviews is so that we can kind of cut through the BS and so that we can have um, honest discussions and that people can know well, is, uh, and let's go in, in the case of a water filter. Well, is this really a good water filter? Or is it crap? Is, it, is there something that's out there that's better for the money? And by having all of us as individuals in the community sending stuff in, we know that it's not just somebody who's who sent in a review to a website who happens to maybe work for that company. You know, Because sometimes I, I'm a little suspect on some of that stuff. But anyway... Um, the questions that we like to ask for the review for this show, we like to ask a few questions, and those things are, uh, what was this thing designed to do? How well does it do it? Um, what are uh, the bad things about it? So where does it kind of fail? Um, what are the improvements I would like to see made, if any? 
from the company that the manufacturer would actually do. And then uh, the fifth one is going to be in there sometimes, sometimes not, but what are modifications that I did? And if I did do any modifications, did it actually make it better? Would I have been better off to leave it just kind of the way it was type thing? Or did it, you know, obviously did it make it worse? Uh, did it totally ruin it type deal? So those are the things that we like to have. And if you do a review, try and keep those things in mind. You don't have to... Shit. Well, I guess that's what you get when you talk with your hands a lot. I smashed over the microphone. I thought about taking it out, man. Heck with it, I'll just leave it in. Anyway, like I was saying about the reviews, uh, you don't have to do them in that exact order or anything like that, but uh, by, by, by keeping to that formula, you can really weed out a lot of the BS. So anyway, if you want to do a review, there's a couple ways you can do a review. You can just send me an email and write it all out and I'll read it. Or if you want to do a recording, so you want to do an MP3, and most people have um, a way to do that. Most people there have a laptop or something like that, or they'll have uh, like an iPhone or, or their phone. They can actually record a thing and then put it to their computer. Um, but even if you didn't have a laptop that had a built-in mic, or if you had, uh, you can buy. I think I have the mic that I'm using for this show. I think it was like 30 bucks, and then the software that I use to record it is free. And most of the stuff, your computer will come, if it's a relatively new computer, will come with uh, some type of recording software. Uh, but anyway, the and I've mentioned it before, but the recording software that I use is Audacity, spelled A-U-D-A-C-I-T. Uh, okay, let's start that over again. It's A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. There we go. And uh, if you go to audacity.com, you can download that stuff for free. Um, so you can send me an MP3. If it's, a, if it's a bigger MP3, you can, and it's in your email client is saying that it's too big to send it to me, you can always upload it to transferbigfiles.com. They'll send and put my email address in there, and then they'll send me a message saying that I've got a file that's waiting there. Um, so that's how you could do it recording wise, or you could call over to the voicemail, which is area code 206-339-3266. And, uh, you can leave me a message there. Now, when I first signed up, they said there was about a five minute time limit on there, but, um, our buddy Ken had sent us in a, uh, a thing that, which we'll play a little bit later today, sent in a voicemail. And he went about eight minutes on it, so I'm I'm not sure. I I would maybe try and keep it to the five minute thing, uh, and then maybe try and call back. Um, but it seems like you may be able to go longer. So I don't know if the if the service that I use has maybe upped that a little bit or not, or maybe they have a a thing where um, you you get maybe so many minutes per month. I you know I have no idea. Uh, but anyway. He, uh, Ken had gone around eight minutes or so. So anyway, um, so again, if you wanted to send in those emails, a place you would send them to is thearmedape at gmail.com, all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. You can also, again, use the voicemail, 206-339-3266, or I, we do have the fan page over on Facebook, and uh, you can leave something over there, and if you want it for the show, uh, I'm not sure if there's any limit on how much you can do the comments and things like that, but uh, 
those are the ways you can get a hold of me. Um, let's see, what was I going to say about something about the uh, Facebook thing? Um, I'm trying to put more pictures and things up there. Like I said, I've got some of that stuff from uh, uh, the pants that I had bought, those Swedish military pants. So long and short of it is when I get a little bit more time, what I want to do is be able to upload some of the stuff uh, that I've gotten, uh, that I have, that I can do pictures of. So at least you can go on to the Facebook thing and, and uh, see them there. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, we've got a bunch of voicemails today. We've got some from Eric. I've actually got a couple from Eric, but I'm probably going to only play one of his today and then play another one on next week's show. He sent in a couple of good uh, movie reviews for us. We've got a voicemail from Ken, and we've also got a uh, voicemail that I had had from a while back that was from, from uh, Nick in Georgia, and... Um, he raises a couple of questions and I wanted to get some ideas because I kind of had drawn a blank and, and uh, like I said, we'll play his stuff here a little bit later. Alright, so what let's do here is uh, I'd also talked about um, some of the, the silent movies and, and things like that that I had watched and so Eric had called in and he had a review of one of the movies uh, I think when Vince had called in on the list, uh, which is Metropolis, which is uh, you know, of the silent era movies, there's going to be several uh, different ones that are going to be considered classics that most people will know about. Metropolis is going to be one. Nosferatu would be one. Uh, things like that. So anyway, let's go ahead and play Eric's voicemail. Hey, Tony, this is Eric, and I'm calling for the Arm Day podcast. I'm going to try and give you an under-five-minute movie review. Two episodes back from the date I'm recording this was when you talked about the hatchets for the first time. I'm sorry, the tomahawks for the first time. But you also talked about a silent movie. I think it was He Who Gets Slapped. And uh, it really inspired me because I've had Metropolis on my uh, Netflix queue for instant viewing just forever and a day and I've never finally just sat down and watched it. So I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try and act cultured and uh, watch a silent movie. So i got to try and get all my thoughts together here. I'm not doing this with notes, kind of like I do my show, just shooting from the hip. Um, you know, where the people are on screen, it is truly terrible. Uh, <laughs> there's just no getting around it. it is, it's almost unwatchable. It's so overacted. It's really irritating. But when it's focused on the visuals, the visual effects, or uh, some of the architecture or whatnot, it really is a very pretty movie. Now, I'm very taken with Art Deco and art of, you know, like the 1930s, uh, somewhere in there. And it fits because this was made in 1927. It's a German expressionist film in the science fiction genre directed by Fritz Lang. That's, directed, that's directly from Wikipedia. It was produced in Germany during a stable period of the Weimar Republic. Metropolis is set in a futuristic urban dystopia and makes use of this context to explore the social crisis between workers and owners in capitalism. This is actually pretty blatant at one part. I guess expressionist is their way of saying it takes little bits of information and paints with a very broad brush. Uh, don't look for a whole lot of plot in this. Now, um, it's, it's very simple, and I think that's probably due to a limitation 
of not having uh, a whole lot of text. There are very few cue cards. A lot of this movie isn't even really surviving. I think the uh, the full length is 153 minutes. I can't imagine sitting through two and a half hours of this movie. It would it would literally be torture. Part of that is probably because the original score has mostly been lost, would be my guess. There are lots of times where the music doesn't really seem to fit the mood of the movie. Pardon me while I get some coffee there. Um, but, you know, when it comes to what they had to do for the effects, uh, what was available to them for the time, some of it is really amazing. If you're watching this on a Netflix queue, first half is very, very boring, except where a machine explodes and the lead character, Fredder, kind of hallucinates and he sees Moloch, this this demon, basically consuming people and sacrifice. Uh, the effect there is pretty cool. The pace finally starts to pick up around one hour and eight minutes. The, uh, the pacing is very, very slow. The same effects process that starts to pick up is uh, still going on two minutes later and finally gets interesting again at an hour and ten minutes where they're trying to make the robot look more like the character Maria. That's pretty cool. It uh, it almost has a Tron effect. You can almost imagine Tron borrowing the streaks of light across the body. Uh, the Dr. Rotwang is missing a hand. I tend to think that's probably where uh, George Lucas got the idea for uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, you know, having a mechanical contraption hand, because this really is the first science fiction movie. And uh, if you're a sci-fi geek, which I'm, I'm having a bit of a resurgence in that, then it really is worth viewing for just that purpose. And uh, at 1 hour and 17, there's some kind of a weird dance, but the visuals start to get kind of interesting if you can make it through the weirdness. Um, I will say that this is kind of typical of class warfare that gets uh, propagated. You know, oh, the workers, the rich people have everything, and they're subjecting you poor, poor workers. And, uh, you know, the, the mind and the hand can't meet except with an intermediary of the heart. A bunch of crap, quite frankly, that, uh, that we still get from a lot of politicians today. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that I just watched McClintock again from 1963, probably John Wayne's best movie. And at one point, the character gets mad at him, says, I should be grateful you gave me the job. And John Wayne says, I didn't give you anything. You're going to give me an honest day's work. I'm going to give you an honest day's wage. And we both profit. That seems to be distinctly American. It's missing from this movie, but it's still worth checking out. I should be under five minutes now. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, cool. Thanks, Eric. Let's talk about some of the points that Eric brought up. And uh, I think I mentioned it maybe in the last show, which I think, of course, on this one, he was a couple shows behind. But we talked a little bit about uh, the overacting and the staginess of stuff and how to us it's going to seem either quaint or corny or things like that. If you're watching kind of a lot of, of silent movies, I find that after a while that stuff kind of fades in the background. And if the story is a good story and it's interesting, you can kind of forgive a lot of that stuff. But if you're if you're kind of jumping in for the first time, it's, it's going to be pretty rough. Uh, it's going to be some pretty rough going for you. Um, one of the other things that Eric had said that I thought was interesting was about um, the cinematography. And that's a lot of stuff that can be overlooked. Um, a lot of times people 
when they think of the silent era movies, think of it as being kind of very crude and, and uh, uh, not very sophisticated. But a lot of the cinema photography, a lot of how things were shot, the scope of things, uh, especially in a lot of the silent era movies, they wanted to kind of bring like a big scope to certain scenes. Uh, and again, the quality of it that you see, you know, it's not going to be in high definition or anything like that. But if you, once you sort of start watching them and you're kind of getting into them a little bit, uh, the cinematography on some of them is really quite stunning. Uh, and also what they accomplished um, and, and how big the scale of the productions were. Uh, a lot of times we tend to gloss over stuff like that. Another thing that he had mentioned was that sometimes the score didn't really seem uh, or seem kind of maybe out of place. And that's, uh, that is typical of a lot of them because uh, the original scores and things like that may not be around. Uh, also, there can be big parts of the movies that are missing or sometimes they're just edited down. So uh, a lot of times there are a lot of kind of grains of salt that you have to take with watching uh, a silent era movie. But all in all, I think they're, uh, they're worth it. Um, another movie he had mentioned kind of in passing was McClintock, which is a really good movie. Uh, I haven't seen that in years, and I actually may go ahead and revisit that. All right, well, thanks again, Eric, for calling in. If you guys uh, don't know, Eric has a show uh, called The Handgun Podcast, dealing with handguns, Second Amendment issues, things like that. Uh, puts them out pretty much weekly, unlike myself. Uh, very good show. If you uh, are into uh, guns, firearms, Second Amendment issues, or you just want to learn a little bit more, I highly recommend his show. And again, you can go over and uh, you can find him on iTunes uh, under Handgun Podcast. You can also go to handgunpodcast.com and uh, find his show there. All right, let's go ahead. And like I said, I had another review from Eric, but I think I'm going to wait and play that one uh, next week. Um, let's go ahead and play a voicemail that we got from Ken. On the last show, I had asked a lot of questions about kind of what his experience was in basic, how it was different, um, were there, were there any differences? So did what he expect going in, was that any different from, uh, when he actually got there, you know, or because his wife had, had, had been in the military prior, what were some of the differences that, that, he experienced as opposed to her. Hey, Tony, this is Ken from Colorado. Wanted to give a call in and uh, try to answer your questions that you put out on the podcast. My wife uh, alerted me that you had some, you played my voicemail and uh, had a couple questions for me. So I was able to listen to the first part of that. I, my free time is almost zilch at the moment, so it's going to take me a while to catch back up on everything. But I did want to get back and try to answer a couple of those questions because uh, I'm really still charged about having come out of basic and this whole Army experience being new. Uh, I did want to say that, you know, like as far as my expectations of basic going in and how it was different, um, it's kind of hard to to know what something like that's going to be like before you go in. You can watch movies or, you know, see YouTube videos or whatever, but until you really get there and experience it, uh, basic training is one of the weirdest experiences I think anybody could ever go through. And it ended up being 
harder and easier than I expected in different ways. Um, one thing I really wasn't like too sure uh, what that was going to be like was um, I ended up being the oldest man in the company of uh, nearly 200 privates. And um, that put me pretty much t- twice as old as most of the recruits. I could have been uh, the father of probably 90% of the recruits in the Army. Uh, and I sort of had an expectation going in that that was going to set me apart and that drill sergeants were going to look to me for, you know, to be leadership for the, the, the younger crowd or whatever. But, but really, in a lot of senses, it ended up making me a target for most of the drill sergeants who um not really sure what that was about. I mean, most of it was lighthearted making fun of me, which uh, was no big deal. Um, but if I screwed up anything, it really magnified, um, you know, it was the old man in the company that did it. And, uh, but, you know, as far as keeping up with the kids, I call them kids, you know, young men, um, the 17 to 21 year old crowd, um, kind of proud of how I was able to do, you know, being twice their age, at least, uh, I was able to keep up for the most part. And uh, actually outrun some of them. And uh, I always scored really well on my PT tests. Um, I'm a smaller guy, though, so when it came to some of the activities, the physical activities where we were really loaded down with a lot of weight, um, that sort of took a toll on me, uh, as well as my initial boots that were issued to me uh, were horrible. Uh, my, and it's just a fit issue. Uh, a lot of people had no problems with the boots once they were broken, but uh, my boots just really never ended up fitting. And uh, the day before graduation or either graduation day, when my wife was able to take me off post, I ended up going and buying some... Bet much better boots myself, uh, ones that I can wear in uniform, and those have been a dream since then. Uh, let's see. Things I never thought I would ever see or do in basic. Uh, get to watch a movie, eat pizza, or drink a milkshake. That, that blew my mind. Um, I didn't really know what to expect from the drill sergeants, but I ended up finding that them to be some of the funniest people I've ever met. They're some of the funniest people on the planet. Uh, it, it actually really tests your discipline and bearing to listen to what some of the drill sergeants say to uh, to some of the privates or to each other. Uh, they just make every attempt to crack you up. Well, I'm not even sure that that's the you know the case. And sometimes it, they just end up being really funny. They're also, I come to really, really, really admire and and, uh, respect people who become drill sergeants. They really are of the uh, enlisted ranks. I think they're the the top notch NCOs in the Army, bar none. Let's see here. I just kind of wrote down some notes. 
this might sound stupid, but we ended up doing a lot more combat training than I expected. Um, I wasn't really too sure what to expect since I was going in as a support MOS and everyone in my company, you know, for platoons, uh, we were all of um, job titles that were not necessarily direct combat related, although probably half our company were combat medics, like myself, health care specialists. Uh, but being that I was at a post that's uh, an infantry training post, uh, I think that's maybe one reason we got a lot more uh, combat training than I expected. Uh, we spent a lot of time on advanced marksmanship, close quarter combat, modern army combatives, um, a lot of time on battle drills. And uh, that was one thing that uh, you were asking if there was a difference between how my wife's experience and my experience might have differed um, from her and I comparing notes sort of. It was obvious that I was getting a lot more direct combat experience here in basic, which is something I kind of more expected to see once I got to my first unit. You know, I sort of expected basic to be very basic, but we actually got pretty pretty advanced training, I think, uh, which is really, you know, it's all good. Um, overall, I think uh, it was an awesome experience for myself. It pushed me in many ways, um, not only physically, but... Um, mentally and spiritually, I, I really, I think I really grew out of experience. And I think no matter who you are, where you're at in life, if you have the ability to, and the time to take, you know, maybe, you know, four years out of your life and join the military, uh, it's something I think that could benefit virtually anyone. Um, I think it was a blast. Uh, I actually had a really good time at basic. Let's see. Um, oh, one other thing with the difference between my wife's experience at basic, which was quite a while ago, and, and mine. She actually joined when she was young, when most people are supposed to join the, the military. Uh, it sounds like I, I had a lot more privileges. You know, I, I got to do a lot more things from maybe real life than she did. I don't know. Uh, I think anyone who's ever gone through basic, no matter what branch of the military, uh, would agree with me. Basic training is one of the weirdest environments you can ever be thrown into. It's just it's completely abnormal. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm getting close to the five-minute mark here. So, uh, all right, my fellow monkeys, take care, and I hope to talk with you again soon. All right, bye. Hey, Ken, thanks for calling in and giving us some of the lowdown on your uh, experience in basic and stuff. You know, some of the things you talked about, like you were saying, with the uh, being able to watch a movie and eat pizza and have a milkshake in basic, you know, I never would have thought that you would have been able to have something like that either. So, anyway, um... My hat's off to you for doing that, and uh, I know I couldn't do it at my advanced age and all that stuff. So, uh, again, my hat's off to you. Thanks for doing that. 
thanks for serving your country uh, and being of service to us. Um, I had talked to Ken the other day, uh, in fact yesterday he and I kind of had a conversation and what we're planning on doing is I think Ken has to go through, is going through right now, what do they call it, advanced individual training and then he'll, he'll have to do another, uh, another school and so maybe in, in March or so he'll actually kind of be done with that and then be able to get settled down into a routine where he'll go from that I don't know if he'll go um, where he'll actually be stationed he wasn't sure either but what we're planning on doing is he I'm gonna we'll do a thing where we uh, call up on Skype and then we'll record our, our conversation and we'll talk about some of his experiences and the things he's going through and things like that so uh, but like I said I did was able to kind of talk to Ken for the first time sort of person to person so to speak or face to face and a uh, real nice guy, um, so I think we'll in, we'll enjoy hearing from Ken as time goes by. All right, we've got one more voicemail, and we'll go ahead and play that. Hey, this is Nick in Georgia. Uh, got a there's an issue I did a web search on it and couldn't find anything about it. It's regards to firearms on bicycles. <clears throat> uh, I live in a small town, and it's okay, you know, we have open carry here in Georgia. But if you're going anywhere that had firearms prohibitions, they say, well, no problem, leave it locked in your car. Well, duh, I'm on a bicycle. How do you get around that? Are there going to be a rash of laws? that come out in regards to this the next time the gas goes way up in price. Anyway, I thought it would be an interesting subject, whichever podcast you discuss it on. That's my two cents. Anyway, you have a good day. Hey, thanks for calling in, Nick. I know it took me a while to uh, get this part of, of your um, voicemail, but for those of guys that have listened uh, to some of the shows in the past, Nick had called in previously. Uh, about a tomahawk that he had made some real good points so you know that's interesting and that's something that i uh, as far as this voicemail goes is something that i hadn't really thought much about uh, what would you do if you were on a bicycle and uh, we don't you know, we don't see as many people on bicycles as as we used to but you know i do remember when the gas prices got sky high you saw a lot more people on bicycles uh, so it, it does kind of raise the question of uh, Arizona, much like Georgia, has open carry. So what would you do if you uh, were going to go into a place where they said, no, there's no firearms, or you're riding your bicycle to work, and they say, well, you have to leave it in your in your vehicle. Uh, short of of uh, going to your employer and saying, hey, can I keep this maybe locked up in the office or in a locker or something like that? And they may say no. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, they can, uh, it's their private property. So they can, you know, if they don't want it there, they can tell you no. Um, if you were going into any type of a, of a federal building, most of those, I think, are required by law to have some type of storage for you. At least that's the way it is in Arizona. It may be different in Georgia, but usually most of the court buildings uh, across the country, because they're having police officers that are going to come in there and testify, they have lockers 
where those guys can go and they can uh, they they can put their firearm in there and they get a key from security or whatever to open it up and and so they can store stuff. Um, when I was uh, worked in probation, right outside uh, you would the the main entryway where you would come in before you would go through the metal detector and stuff and and before. Uh, you would actually get access into the to the main building, so this would be sort of like that uh, that outer lobby. Um, they actually had on the wall, probably oh I don't know maybe eight to ten of, of small lockers that you could fit a handgun in, and then you would just go up there and put your stuff in there, and then you would take the key out. And I didn't, I, and I think it cost. I want to say maybe it cost a quarter or something like that. I don't, I can't remember if, or maybe they did that later. Um, or maybe for the police, you were, it was, uh, they were provided for the police for free. I can't remember. There was a couple of, there was a couple of different areas. Um, maybe I'm confusing. Um, I know in, deten in our detention area, when the parents would come in to visit the kids, there were actual lockers because they couldn't take their purses and stuff in. You couldn't take any personal items in. Uh, and those you had to have a token but what we did is um, since you weren't charging the parents we had and I think it was maybe actually quarters we had like a stack of quarters and then if they needed to store something you just give them the quarter and then they could do it so that way you know you weren't charging them to store their crap um, and I think that may have been how it was at the other place at the at the Mesa facility but I could be wrong my memory's fuzzy now on that stuff but anyway if the the question would be that if your employer said that they weren't willing to do something like that to provide any type of storage locker, um, what would you do if you were on a bicycle and you had to maybe run into the post office or you had to do something like that? Uh, some people would would say their answer would be, well, I would just go in armed, and if it's concealed, nobody's going to know. But if you're doing open carry, obviously people would know. Um, also, if you're doing open carry, even if you had uh, something on your on your bicycle, let's say you welded something like, a, oh, and I, I forget the brand name of it. Hold on, I'll go look it up on my Alright, I'm looking here online and there's a thing by Gunvault, G-U-N-V-A-U-L-T, and it's called the NanoVault 100, a portable strong box. You could maybe do something like that and either rig something to where you could uh, either weld it or you could uh, maybe bolt it through on the bicycle, you know, through the frame. Uh, but then, you know, you run into the problem of if if somebody if somebody sees you putting that thing in there it's not a big deal for them to go up and pick up the bicycle uh, so and again I don't know if you would make the bicycle more of a target if it had something like that on there uh, you, you would you could in in some instances probably run into some of the same dilemmas if you're on a motorcycle now some motorcycles will have lockable saddlebags and things like that some of them are hard-sided and some of them were leather uh, and some of them have a thing where you can actually lock them up. So you might be able to do, 
you know, something like that. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Uh, other than maybe having a rack built in on the back of your bike and then having an actual locking box where you could put something on there would be about the only thing that I could think of. Um, and then again, you would have to, if you were going to zip inside someplace like the post office or something like that, you'd have to lock the, not only lock the gun up in there, but then you would have to lock the, the bicycle up to something and, and hope that nobody just, you know, stole it. Otherwise someone could just come and pick the whole thing up and, and uh, head off with it. All right. If anybody out there has any ideas or, or maybe they've, um, they've gotten a solution to that, go ahead give me a give me a call on the voicemail or send in an email and uh, maybe we can give Nick some suggestions okay now uh, I had talked or at the uh, at the top of the show had talked about some of my experiences with uh, going out and going camping and uh, I did take the tomahawk out there with me and what I'll try and do today is take a couple pictures and and uh, put that up on Facebook within the next couple of days of the actual tomahawk that I took out there. Uh, and, I, and because I was where I was going, you were just you uh, you drive up and then you camp. You know, you don't have to hike or, or hump anything in. So weight for me was not an issue, and so I took extra tools and things like that. In fact, over on YouTube, if you go to my YouTube channel, which is five two five donut, so five two five. D-O-N-U-T-S. I've got a small video of uh, a little bit of time that I spent up there. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and take a look at that, you can. Um, I also ended up making like a little mallet up there. Just to, I'd, I'd seen another guy. But if you watch the video, it'll be, it'll be explained. Um, I t so I took the tomahawk up there, and I, I didn't uh, sharpen it as, as well as I thought that I had. And uh, so I didn't have a super sharp tool. Also, there was another thing is it's got like a really nice, um, a really nice handle on it. And I didn't want to screw up the handle by banging around and stuff up there. So I used it a little bit. Uh, one of the problems that I ran into with it um, was that after you, you would hit it a few times, like if I was chopping wood or processing some stuff, is that the it, it would start to come a little bit loose and I didn't really want to bang the you know bang that thing down on there the head on there really super hard so what I think I'm gonna do is probably I'll either order another handle or I'll probably just make one and a handle that I can really beat on and don't worry about uh, uh, messing up because this one I like I think I mentioned before on previous show was a uh, Osage orange handle so it's going to be really nice over time. It's going to turn like a really nice orange, orangey color. Now, uh, so if I'm going to do, again though, a review of, of the Tomahawk, it wasn't bad, but it's, since it's sort of kind of like a, maybe you would kind of consider it almost like a multi-tool type thing, meaning it can do, it can serve, serve multiple purposes, but it's not going to be the absolute best at those things. And again, because I was a little hesitant to really wail on it and not worry about, you know, messing up that handle, um, I, I don't have as accurate a, a, a review as I would like to do. However, what I can talk about is um, the, the way that the uh, the head of it and the blade of it it's kind of small, 
so it's not as an effective as a chopper as I would like. If you go and you look at some of maybe a little bit more traditional ones um, that were brought over by probably the French um, and that the Native Americans used, um, a lot of those had kind of a, a, I don't know how to describe it, like a longer blade if you want to look at it, like the actual um, cutting edge of, of the axe or the tomahawk was actually bigger. Uh, there's a guy on uh, on the internet and on the U on YouTube. His name is Craig Barr, B-A-R-R. And if you go over to uh, and look at some of his videos, his the head of his 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 tomahawks are longer and kind of curve out more. So I think it lends itself more to chopping. Um, I was able to use it to. Um, uh, the tomahawk that I have, I was able to use it to process some wood. Um, it does a decent job of it. Um, but again, I, I still need to take it out and take it out where I have like a handle that I can really kind of wail on and not going to worry about. I also need to really put a, a much better edge on that thing that's on there right now. Um, so, you know, again, if, if we're saying... You know, what is this thing built to do and, and how well does it do it? It's built to kind of be a multi-purpose tool when you're out there. How did it do it? It did okay. It's not the greatest. Um, what would be some modifications that I would want to see made, you know, uh, or what are some of the cons of it? And the cons of it are right now, for me, is that the uh, I like the handle too much that I don't want to beat on it and I don't want to kind of like force that head down on there super tight. Um, and also the head can come loose, but that can also be one of the things that one of the pros of it is that you can take it off and do kind of close in work. I did take the head off and I did use it to, uh, kind of baton some wood with, and it does okay at that. Um, I also used it for some, uh, a little bit of shaving just to see, but again, I didn't have a, a proper edge on there. I think if I had had a better edge. It would have done a little bit better with that, but I was able to, uh, like I said, to kind of process some wood and make a little bit of kindling and stuff with it. Um, what modifications from uh, from the factory or from the maker would I like to see made? For, for the purpose that I was using it for, maybe a little bit longer, uh, a longer blade face, a longer head on it, I guess, if, if you know what I mean. Um, what modifications... Uh, will I make and again it's going to be I'm going to make a, a different handle for it and that way I can take it and kind of beat on it and everything and it won't it won't matter uh, but I don't want to destroy that handle that I do have um, so that's kind of a little mini review of that tomahawk um, one thing that I might do is I know cold steel has one and I saw a uh, a really good video from a guy uh, called on YouTube and it's IA Woodsman and I'll try and remember to put a link to it um, at the show notes and uh, he's he done, did one on a uh, cold steel tomahawk that he got from cold steel it's a really good video so I would suggest you guys go and watch that and uh, he he had put like a really good edge on it and having gone out you know, kind of out in the woods with an edge on there that was kind of subpar, I really see the difference. So, like I said, the next time I go out, in fact, I'm going out again in, 
sometime in November. I can't remember when. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. But I'm going out again anyway. What I'm going to do when I go out this time is I'm going to, I'll have a different handle. And I will also uh, put a really good edge on it. And I'm going to really put that thing through its paces. Uh, but anyway, he had that cold steel tomahawk. And uh, he stripped off the uh, the black finish that comes with it and used it. And he really seemed to like it. So, again, um, I'll put a link to his video. It's and, time to uh, whip out my show notes. 15 and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, so what have I been listening to? Well, as always, and like I kind of mentioned him in passing... Uh, there's the B movie cast. If you like B movies, that type of stuff, uh, some of the, even some of the exploitation things they talk about sometimes, you can go over to B movie cast um, and listen to Vince and Nick over there. Uh, really good show. I always uh, enjoy listening to it. Uh, I had also mentioned previously Eric uh, Shelton. He called in with his movie review on uh, Metropolis, and he has the Handgun podcast. Uh, and you can again all this stuff you can find on iTunes. Um, books that I'm reading, um, I'm still, I'm still kind of getting through, I've been reading it on and off, um, that Chris Ryan book, uh, called Ultimate Weapon, and, uh, I'm getting to the point in there to where it's getting pretty good, so, so far I, I, I like it pretty well, and I would recommend it. Uh, I've also recently gotten, uh, Atlas Shrugged. Now, it's not the book, but what, what our, uh, county library has is they have a thing where um, it's kind of like an e-book but it's an, an audio form and what you can do is you download uh, you download the the book from them the audio book and then you you keep it for whatever the lending period is and then you basically delete it so I've started listening to that and uh, we'll see on that I've always been curious to read that thing so um, but every time I go to the library to get the book, it's out. So uh, anyway, I'll, I'll maybe uh, in a couple of weeks be able to give a, a little bit of a report of what I think on that. And then if I, if I think I'm going to, based on this, I'll see if I'm going to go ahead and read any of your other stuff that, uh, that she had written. Uh, let's see, any other, oh, one thing for you guys that are... Uh, horror aficionados or your horror fans um, or you're just like zombie movies and stuff like that on amc i think walking dead is gonna come on the halloween um so uh, you may want to set your dvrs for that and that's supposed to be like a, a, a zombie story i don't really know a whole lot about it and i'm not going to do a lot of research or anything like that and uh, kind of get into it because I want to go into it cold and sort of see what I think. I, I've got high hopes for it, but eh, you know, I'm hoping it'll, it'll, uh, it'll be a good show. Sometimes on on the cable networks they can really surprise you. Uh, I found though that the some of the best stuff on cable has been like the things on more on the the pay pay channel. So things like Showtime or HBO. Uh, where they have a little bit more freedom um, and they can tell a story in a little bit more realistic manner or you know if you know what I mean like how people talk and stuff they're not afraid of using uh, of using uh, curse words or they're not afraid of showing nudity if it's if it's something that would uh, that that scene would you know would happen to 
further the story. You know, it's not just gratuitous, but um, and sometimes in the other networks, they're they're kind of dialed back a little bit. Now, one thing that I watched uh, or started to watch, and I and I got it from the library as well. They had a DVD of it. Was the show called Breaking Bad? And for those of you guys that don't know, and this won't really be much of a spoiler because I've only seen the one episode of it. Uh, it's about a guy who is a chemistry teacher, and he finds out that he's got cancer and he's only got maybe a couple more years to live. And in the in the lead up to this to this reveal, you're seeing that you know he he's got a he's got his job, but he also works at a car wash. And his wife is selling stuff on eBay, and they're doing this basically to make ends meet. And I think they have a kid that uh, he's got some medical problems, and I think that, although they don't ever come out and say it, at least in that first episode, I think that's where a lot of their money goes, is maybe trying to uh, make ends meet, maybe because of all the medical bills and stuff that they have. Uh, there's a couple of times in there where he talks about his insurance isn't very good, so it... it it leads you to think that he's there in in uh, desperate straits for money because of the son's medical medical expenses. Uh, but the story is anyway. He uh, and again, this won't be a spoiler because this is what the whole thing is about. Is he ends up hooking up with a former student of his, and then they're going to make crystal crystal methamphetamine, and he's doing that to get money to basically provide for his family when he's gone so he wants to try and build up you know a big nest egg um so but anyway i'm going to get those back from the library when they're back in and start watching those again um i'm always i'm as always i'm a big fan of dexter we're about i think three episodes in uh got left my wife and i on um for season is it four i think I think it's season four. It's the one where uh, John Lithgow was in there. So we we're about ready to finish that up. And then uh, when season five comes out on DVD, we'll go ahead and get that. Um, let's see. What else? What else? Um, if there's any other shows that I've... Oh, you know, I watched... Um, I, I think I had mentioned on the last show that I like... Um, uh, the guy from uh, Penn Jillette, the guy from Penn and Teller, he does a thing called Pinpoint, and he gives just his opinions and stuff. You know, pretty much what I do here. Um, gives his opinions on things. And one of the things that he was talking about, a friend had mentioned, uh, had recommended a movie uh, called Tall Hot Blonde. And it was basically about um, internet, uh, kind of a relationships on the internet, and how this how this particular relationship goes wrong, and I won't go further into it. It was an interesting movie, but I tell you, or a documentary, excuse me. But I tell you, one thing about that, and if you guys have have seen it already, you'll. I don't know if anybody else got the same kind of feeling that I did. Was that I kept waiting for it at the end to say, oh that this this was kind of like a faux documentary it's not a real one but it is real because the way it was put together and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to slant to to not slander but to uh belittle or demean the filmmaker or anything cuz you know I couldn't have made that documentary 
but it seemed like the way it was cut, it almost seemed like it was like it was actors portraying the stuff and, and maybe that it had happened um, that the story was true, but maybe they were having actors do it and not the, not the real people that were involved in it. And they did a really weird thing. They, and I guess they, they obviously must have had the permission um, of, of the victim in the, in the, uh, in the documentary. And you're going to find this out within like, five minutes basically like the first five minutes of the whole whole thing there's a young man that ends up being killed by this other guy and the way that they they started open is you get this voiceover and this guy comes on saying hey my name is so and so and i'm 21 years old or whatever and blah 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 and uh, you know i'm dead and it was really odd because there was there was parts in the documentary where you're getting sort of the voiceover of the quote-unquote dead, you know, the dead guy of the victim in the case. And they said some things, and the way they did things, was, it, it just seemed odd. And again, I thought, well, is is this 100% real, or is part of this, you know, kind of a, a, of a put-on? And I'm not talking about, obviously, they didn't have the kid's voice. But I, because I, I had kind of thought, well, would the parents really give permission for them to... Um, to to, to kind of have the you know the voice from beyond the grave type thing so to speak, uh, but it was like I said it was interesting, uh, but also kind of odd in the way it was it was shot and the way that it was presented. What was also odd was at toward the end of the documentary, kind of the point that they're making, um, and if you don't. If you don't, well, I won't spoil it. I'll I'll wait maybe a couple of weeks and then I'll maybe come back and address it again. Um, but who they're assigning blame to and some of that stuff I thought was a little odd. Um, but anyway, uh, so that was one that I had recently watched. Um, I had also watched one that I actually really liked, and I kind of went into it not knowing anything about about it, and I saw it through the Netflix through the streaming, and that was the movie The Signal. Which I, I really, I really liked it. Really enjoyed it. Again, I knew really pretty much nothing about it, so I went in cold. And there's there's basically three kind of different parts with a lot of the same characters that go throughout the movie. But you have part one was written and directed by one one guy. Part two was written and directed by another guy, and part three was written and directed by yet another person. So you had these three guys that came together and did the and did the movie. And uh, this the second segment is kind of like a dark is like a real dark comedy type thing. Uh, but uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I really liked that movie, and I'd recommend you uh, you get it um, if you guys have seen it and you have a little bit of different opinion. Uh, then I did give me a call or drop me a line and let me know. Um, let's see. All right, my monkeys, we're going to go ahead and call it quits. I'm not going to do any music this time. The show is getting almost to uh, the hour-long mark. We're about probably 55, 56 minutes in probably once all this stuff is said and done. So I will see you next time, monkeys.
This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Houdini!